0: Hi, sorry. I said I was connected, but I couldn't hear anything. Oh, it happens. Uh, It's part of the fun of the
1: podcast. (laughs) (laughs) uh, It's it's like one of those old-time radio things. Can you hear me? Come in. Come in, Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) (laughs) We were saying that no one would have picked numbers for you as a career, and you have a background in marketing and public relations.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I went to school for journalism, and I'm an accountant. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> explain <The> <laughs> why your blog is so well written <laughs> oh thank you and then you transitioned into a counter uh, accounting I can't pronounce uh if may I ask you had a very personal situation which prompted this do you feel comfortable talking about that yeah yeah I'm an open book an open accounting book an
0: so, open accounting book so tell us more so um How I got into accounting is I was stagnated at my current job. And I had talked to a CPA and he said, it's an amazing industry, you should get into it, you can work anywhere in the world, you can set your own hours, you can own your own firm, whatever you want. Great. So I went to school full time while I was working, got all my accounting stuff set up, got a job. I told the partner when I got hired that my end goal was to be a partner, like I didn't wanna just be a staff accountant for the rest of my life. Um, And about four years into that relationship, he was starting to think about retiring. And I had been there basically leading one of their offices and was told by one of the other partners that I wouldn't ever make partner because I was a female. (gasps) So I took another year or so got all my ducks in a row, figured out how to run a firm on my own, and gave my notice.
1: I don't, uh, what an idiot. I mean, what a complete
0: and utter idiot. Yeah, looking back, I mean, looking back now, it was such a blessing that I didn't end up becoming a partner in that firm. Um, But it didn't make it any less painful when you're told that you aren't going to like get the career you want that you've been working so hard for because of your gender. (laughs) So lesson learned. uh, And I'm doing great. So, you know, little words of encouragement, but I definitely and I never um, good or bad. I never like, when did any sort of legal action, discrimination, anything like that, what I do it, what I just leave it alone again? Probably not. Uh, So, you know, there's that lesson learned as well.
1: But that was then, this is now. Correct. Uh, At the time, the pain can be so overwhelming that sometimes I've been told you just want to move on and put it behind you rather than be emotionally, physically, financially trapped in negotiations
0: yeah yeah exactly like when you look at how much time and effort and money any sort of legal recourse would have taken it just i was like i just don't want to deal with it
1: well karma i i hope you got hit by a car a very large one Yeah. <laughs> how, how about one of those 14 wheelers and and uh yes and um i'm sure karma came around and because the of losing such a credible candidate. I mean, we still see overwhelming stupidity on a day-to-day basis through men making the most ridiculous statements. It's... Uh,
0: yeah, it's... I, slow <laughs> lessons learned, I guess, is well, a, a nice way to put it.
1: I think we're all waking up and I hope there's a lot more support out there for women that do want to stand up and say, you know what? You're an idiot and you shouldn't have said that and you you legally can't. Yeah. But back to you, you are doing amazingly well and that gives you such insight into so many of your clients' struggles in a way that you wouldn't otherwise have had. And then I believe what happened after that was – if you don't mind me asking you do say you're an open book uh, you went through a divorce and that is huge when it comes to sorting out your money
0: yeah talk about some mental issues around money going through a divorce that is oh yeah i don't wish that upon anybody right if a, if a relationship's not working and you need to leave great i fully support that But going through the money part of a split, and our split was easy. Like, we don't have kids, so it was literally just dividing assets. And it took about three months, and it was finished. But I can only imagine some – like, I have some clients that have been going through divorce stuff for years because of money stuff.
1: Especially if there's children involved. It's very hard to – there's conscious uncoupling is a word, but – it's very mm. hard to be conscious when you're in pain and their emotions are running high and you
0: may have left that
1: person because of some deep-seated issues and they ain't changing anytime soon.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, putting kids into the mix, putting a business into the mix, especially if it's very successful and both people have been involved. Like, I we talk about marriage just like in our personal lives, but I look at business partnerships and when you're bringing people on to be owners, that's a business marriage. So imagine if you're going through a an actual divorce plus you having to split a business, like you're going through two divorces at one time.
1: I think of marriage as a business agreement in the fact that you have agreed upon terms. You come to agreed upon terms as to who pays for what, as to common retirement goals, as to common savings goals. Having both of you on the same page, which doesn't always happen, makes life a lot easier. Yeah, no,
0: I love that. I love that. I also got a prenup. Good for you. Yes, do it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually,
1: I didn't bring as much assets to the table, but I believe that starting off with really putting all our cards on the table meant that we could go forward with peace of mind. As my mom said, she said, are you planning on divorcing? I said, no. She said, great, do it, shove it in a drawer and forget about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing, there is nothing wrong with either party wanting to protect themselves for the, for the success that they have gotten before they get married. There's nothing wrong with that. And I highly encourage it.
1: And why not look after each other? Why Mm -hmm. not? each other feels completely confident going into the relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look back to one of your blogs, which is brilliant, which you're going to have to explain to me. Simplify your chart of accounts.
0: What's the chart of accounts? Uh, The chart of accounts, it's the list of all of the accounts that you're using in your accounting. So it would be your listing of your bank accounts, um, your income accounts, expense accounts. And what I see is people get really uh, in the weeds and they want everything very detailed. So let's say they have a utilities account and they'll end up with five or six or seven or more sub-accounts for that one utility account. And literally one bill is being put in each one of those accounts each month. So now you end up, if they do that multiple times, like think about insurance, right? If you have business insurance, liability, medical, if you wanna break out all of your auto expense, then you end up with a financial report that can be two, three, seven pages long and nobody's gonna look at a seven page long profit and loss statement, nobody.
1: Not to mention that my brain's getting squirrely just thinking about it. Talk about it. Right.
0: Yes, it's, it's going to be so overwhelming. You're never going to want to look at it. You're never going to want to use it. So, what I encourage is people to keep their chart of accounts really clean. So, each report is about a page long, which is ideal. Then you can just put them side by side and you can look at them. Um, and then you can do specialty reports to break down the detail if there's really like specific things that you need to see.
1: Another mistake is when we use client names for accounts. (laughs) Yes (laughs) yeah exactly. I'm reading this this as I'm talking.
0: (laughs) Yep that's exactly what some people do is they'll they'll put the the vendor name or the customer name as the account and then you end up with this long list and it's it's unusable basically by anybody who wants to look at it.
1: That's the other thing is remembering that if somebody else is going to be looking at it, they don't know your particular filing system. Always, they may not know that you filed dog, you know, vet under D for dog, you know. So, uh, yep, you do want to make it a little clearer. Here's one that I try not to be guilty of: is on my Mint app, I try and make sure that my misc, M I S C, category is very, very small. And I think in your case, it's when people have this giant uh, list of transactions, which basically say, ask Aaron.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, uh, it'll be a one-off transaction, but you'll have a bunch of them over the course of the year. So then your, your account balance ends up tens of thousands of dollars, potentially, or more. And it's just labeled miscellaneous. And people are like, I don't know what this is. What, it, what am I looking at here? So I always say uh, the miscellaneous account should basically be zero. Everything should have a home.
1: I feel the same way about my wardrobe. (laughs) I organize my clothing and do a clothing inventory. I also have to, uh, if I've spent something, I need to categorize it on pretty much immediately because I'll forget. Yes. Especially if it says Amazon, 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 Amazon. It's like, yeah, I need to
0: dig a little deeper. Yeah, what I love about Amazon or even PayPal is that it's easy to go back into those old orders or transactions and see what you actually bought. Venmo is a little harder. I hate, this is my own personal pet peeve, I hate when businesses use Venmo. It's kind of a nightmare.
1: Make a note of this, people.
0: What are some of the kinds of
1: accounts that you have in categories or can you give us some examples of accounts that are good to have? uh like give me more detail see like, accountant well for example uh accounts receivable is mm-hmm. a good one have, and then you want to know you want one for your assets mm-hmm. i'm guessing so you'll, please
0: yeah you'll have your your bank accounts which everybody pretty much sets up you'll only need an accounts receivable account if you are tracking uh invoices and payments from customers so you wouldn't need an accounts receivable account if you're a consumer good company who's just selling stuff online and you're not tracking that particular customer who buys whatever product.
1: But you would need income. Required. You would need income. Correct. Yep. And I'm guessing with that comes cost of goods sold.
0: Yep. For people with I, cost of goods sold, that's a, like it's a tricky category to be really honest. Because if you're, like, I don't have a cost of goods sold account for me. I could, but I choose not to as a service provider. But someone who is manufacturing and producing something, like, I used to work with a lot of breweries. So they obviously have a cost of goods account for their ingredients and packaging and all that kind of stuff.
1: And customs. Customs is another thing not to – I do – I think you call that excise tax, but basically – an important
0: export as well w- what about equity the equity account it those accounts are going to depend that setup is going to depend on what type of entity you are so going back to the LLCs sole proprietors that kind of stuff um depending on what you are then you'll have a, a capital contribution account and you'll have a disbursement account owner distributions
1: this is why basically I, I, you, you just call Erin and I ask her to explain it as it relates to your particular situation. Um, yeah. What, what's an example of a
0: long-term liability? That would be something that is not going to be paid back within a year. So, like, let's look at after COVID, a bunch of people got EIDL loans from the SBA. Yes. Those are 30-year loans. So those would go into a long-term liability account. 30 year loans Mm -hmm. at a remarkable percentage rate. Like you're not going to find this kind of financing anywhere else, but like credit cards would go into current liabilities because you're going to most likely pay those off either monthly or relatively quickly.
1: Ideally you'd pay them off at the end of each month. Uh, Interest rates on credit cards. If you don't pay attention to them, can really can be very shocking.
0: Oh, God, yeah. And it's only gotten worse over the last couple of years. I Like, you never see an interest rate for a credit card below, like, 15%.
1: That's When I go shopping uh, and I buy something, I always have to – I always forget, and I need to remember when I get to the checkout counter to add tax because in New Zealand we have goods and services tax, so anything you buy, it's already calculated. So the price on the item is what you see is what you get. So if you are buying something on a credit card – mentally add 15 percent because if you're not going to pay it off immediately that's the real price mm-hmm. yep that's a good idea good tip Erin it has been so much fun to talk to you I love talking about money I can talk about money all day long it's one of my favorite subjects I'm a huge believer in abundance and prosperity and manifestation and all the woo for people wanting to get hold of you go to Rue. that's r-u-e-c-p-a.com is there another way you want them to get hold of you
0: uh, that's the best way is through there because it'll have links to everything else. Um, I'm only really active on Instagram, which is also Aaron Rue CPA. So, either everywhere on the internet, you can probably find me. And just in, like that. a CPA
1: on Instagram, I'm definitely going to go check that out. That's not something I would have thought was unnatural. <laughs> hey, and if you do the a website, uh, you can download a guide to the small business guide to ent- entities and titles whatever those may be, and taxation. Oh, and titles. And by the the way, I have had clients use me as a tax-deductible expense. So there you go. Yes. Yeah. As a consultant. So if you want to move from chaos to confidence, please reach out to Erin. And she can also talk to you about beer, marketing, journalism, PR, and maybe even help you write a letter to money. Thanks, Erin. Thank you. This was so much fun. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm so glad to talk to you for a minute. I was worried I'd forgotten to send you the link. (laughs) No, no, we're good. First of all, can we just say how wonderful our names are? Erin, meet Erin. It's so perfect, right? We were meant to
0: be together. And guess what? We are both going through construction right outside our houses. I know. I'm hoping I have headphones in and I'm hoping it doesn't pick up the banging that they're doing out in the back right now.
1: Well, I can't hear a thing, but ditto. Now, the fascinating bit of information out of the way. Erin Rue, and that's R-U-E, you can find Erin at Erinrucpa.com is, among many other things, an incredible certified public accountant. And I have so many questions to ask you about money, money, money.
0: I'll see if I can answer them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if not, we'll
1: just sing the Abba song over and over.
0: Perfect. First of
1: all, why it's so important, isn't it, to have a great relationship with money?
0: Yeah, it really is. I mean, money drives so much of, I mean, just the economy itself, but just so much of people's own self-worth. Uh, and if you have a bad relationship with money, then you just end up feeling bad about yourself, and that is never good.
1: Especially if we compare, if we compare, we despair because we don't tend to share a lot. We don't tend to share a lot. What we make, the ups and downs, the debt we have, the challenges we have, the struggles we have.
0: And yes, and that just goes along with the old adage: you don't discuss money, politics, religion, right? So I I have found in my own circle of friends and acquaintances that the more open I am about my own money situation, it it gives them the freedom and the permission to share theirs um, as much as they feel comfortable with. And I think that's really important as, as we're making connections with people in our own relationships that, that we can open up as much as you feel comfortable about. Um, and it gives people permission to do it, too.
1: Because it has been a taboo subject in a lot of ways. I belong to a lot of uh, amazing women business owner groups. And we encourage each other to celebrate wins. Guess what? I cracked six figures. Guess what? I cracked uh, 500K. Uh, Inspire each other and applaud.
0: Yes, it's so important. And if you're keeping all of this close to the chest and you don't want to share and then how are people going to like celebrate you just like you mentioned
1: in my past or even right recently I'll often write a letter to money to sort out how I feel about money and sometimes I need to have a conversation with it
0: oh that's an interesting tactic so you do you do it just when you're feeling bad about it do you do it all the time
1: sometimes I I I have I have an in-a-bag lady that comes up every now and again, you know, where I'm, I'm convinced I'm going to end up on the street. So sometimes <laughs> I write a letter to money about uh, acknowledging prosperity or talking about that or inviting money into my life or just recounting some of the messages I got around money and the ways I'd like to think about money now. It uh, If you think of money as a person, you can find out you have a very interesting relationship with it. A lot of the times you're not being very nice to it.
0: That is 100% true. I've, I also will sometimes journal, I journal around it, but a lot of the time it comes up like, if I start feeling a particular way, I have to take a step back and go, what's causing this feeling right now? Like, why am I particularly excited about this? Why am I particularly sad about it? What is making me anxious about it? And, uh, and definitely writing it out, either in a letter or a journal helps.
1: So go out right now and buy a journal so that you can basically have a great conversation with your money I'm besties. I also help clients that uh, struggle with compulsive shopping because that brings up so much shame and guilt and recrimination. And I help clients create a spending plan so they can invest in their clothing and can plan for a year. You allude to shame and guilt. You mention it on your website.
0: Mm-hmm. How
1: have you... Mm-hmm this has how does this impact your clients and can you give me some examples
0: uh, so I mostly work with businesses and the shareholders um, and there is a lot of especially in the online world there are a lot of pressure there's a lot of pressure to look a certain way right you want to be a high revenue number you want to be really profitable and I have people that aren't there yet. They'll get there someday. They'll be in their seven figures or whatever they want to make. Um, but if they're not there, then they're trying to hide it or they're trying to falsify an image. Um, and we want to. I. I personally just want to meet people where they're at and have them feel comfortable speaking about wherever they're at, whether it's super in debt or overextended or just starting out and getting comfortable with that first so that then when they're wildly successful, they can fully enjoy it without feeling like maybe they're a fraud. Do you get that a lot? Do you find a, Do you, find you get a lot of people like the imposter syndrome? Uh, it
1: permeates everything. I wish it wasn't such a a, a trait that tends to really impact women. Uh, I have had cl- uh, clients that have thought they had to wear designer labels uh, and they've put it all on a credit card. And, I, and I've said, you know, you might want to think about getting Spanish lessons instead. You know, look, mm-hmm. think about your vision, think about where you want to go, think about the person you want to be. Uh, we don't need to keep up with Instagram. And if you see somebody with a sensational car, for example, well, that just might be a very expensive debt they're driving.
0: Yes. So I'll tell you that uh, a lesson that I learned very early in my career is that how people dress and how they look does not necessarily correspond to what they actually have in their account. One of my clients would drive a 70s, a beat up 70s pickup. He was always in ripped jeans and flannel shirts. And you would have never known that guy had multiple millions of dollars in his brokerage account.
1: There's a great book, uh, "The Millionaire Next Door." Whereas you might see someone else who's incredibly flashy, and guess what? They've maxed out all their credit cards. Feeling confident about what you're wearing, but feeling confident about your money and being met where you are, and where you are is okay. It's just information. When you know your assets, when you know your debts, that's when you can talk to Erin and make a plan.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And and it all starts with. And I tell people this too. Just start tracking it. You don't have to give it any meaning. It doesn't have to do anything. Just start tracking it either with an app or writing it down or however you want to do it. And that's the first step to really kind of taking control of whatever life you want to lead in a financial sense.
1: And create such clarity. Uh, And when you do look at what you've spent, uh, it's just data. It's just information. And it's a snapshot of how you're living your life. And you can you can find out, are you living it in alignment with your values? Is your money really bringing you joy? So it's it's information that can open up a much better world for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: totally agree,
1: 100%. With small businesses, when I first started at my small business, I was really confused. There's LLC, there's sole proprietor. There's, there's, I mean, on one of your blogs, you, you pointed out beautifully there's There's general partnership, there's C-Corps, there's there's SC. Can can you explain briefly, if you don't mind, the difference between these? And of course, it does depend on the specific situation.
0: Yeah. So the, the thing I get the most is when I talk to people and I ask, what kind of business are you? A lot of the time, what they just say to me is, I'm an LLC. I'm like, okay, so there are multiple ways to be an LLC. So Uh, You brought up sole proprietor, which is a lot like a single member LLC, you know, one owner who is just going to file taxes on their personal return. It's super easy. It's like the most basic way to run a business. Uh, And then you start getting into partnerships and S-corps, which can also be LLCs. It's super confusing to people. Um, And that's when you start getting into maybe multiple owners and you're trying to save some tax money. That's where you hear a lot about S-Corps. And it just kind of, like when we start looking at entity types and we wanna start looking at how much is the business gonna make in taxable income and profit. uh, And we wanna look at who the owners are and how you wanna structure compensation. Those are the main things that we look at when we look at the entity types. And it can get very confusing for new business owners.
1: It can feel really intimidating when you're first starting out. It's a question that comes up a lot. So do jump onto Erin's blog. Uh, a friend of mine's turning into a digital nomad now that COVID has made a lot of us realize we don't have to stay where we are. And she's wondering where the best places to register her business. She heard a rumor that Delaware was a good place.
0: Delaware is a good place and you get a lot of people <laughs> that do that. The thing to think about when you're doing that is not necessarily where you're registered, but where you're going to be performing the service. So uh, uh, the technical term is economic nexus, and I'm sure that sounds really boring. <laughs> um, but it really if you're in, if you're physically in a state or have an employee physically in a state, then you're going to have to file some sort of tax return regardless of where you're registered. So she could register in Delaware and work out of let's like, I'm in Oregon. So let's say she works, she registers in Delaware, works out of Oregon. She's going to have to file a tax return for Oregon to report that income.
1: I seem to have a variety. I need to tell King County what I'm up to. I need to tell Washington what I'm up to, and I need to tell the IRS what I'm up to. Yep which is why we need CPAs.
0: <laughs> or at least somebody to point you in the in the appropriate right direction.
1: It's challenging as an expat. I have some money in New Zealand. I have some money here. I have a business here. Do you find yourself dealing
0: with expats who are very confused over what to declare? Um, I personally don't do much with expats because I don't want to um, get involved in the, all of the foreign income and bank account reporting.
1: I, I think you're very wise. If you are, <laughs> if you are uh, and you've got a great CPA that's fantastic and get advice elsewhere, I'm sure your CPA will suggest that too because uh, it can bite you in the in the derriere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we didn't realize we had to report something and it has come round to and the IRS is eerie. And we didn't do it on purpose. We just didn't
0: know. Right. And that happens to a lot of people because you don't know what you don't know.
1: Uh, no, which is why we reach out for expert help, like like Erin. Yes. So another thing you help people with, because I know you are bespoke in the fact that you help with very specific situations, software can be confusing. There's so many accounting systems.
0: There are a bunch of accounting systems, and there are add-on apps for tracking all the things that you could possibly need. And um, some CPAs get really picky about what people use and will only work within a certain software. Most of the time, that's QuickBooks or Xero. I personally don't care. This is just my own like little rant here. I don't care what you use as long as you're consistently doing it. The only thing I ask out of an accounting system is that it can reconcile your bank account and it will produce both a balance sheet and a profit and loss. Other than that, you're free to use whatever works best for you because our brains are all different.
1: We really are. There's neurodivergent. I love that new phrase that's come out. I find numbers really hard. When I took a basic course in accounting, I had to ask for extra time because the numbers play tricks with my eyes so having somebody who can make sense out of it is very valuable
0: Mm -hmm. it's it's good that you notice that too that that it wasn't something that was particularly easy
1: yeah and and it's uh it's not that I'm not uh intelligent it's just my brain doesn't quite work that way that's okay
0: yeah no it's totally fine I look at this like I can do accounting and trust me it took I was not good at math in school ever. And nobody would have ever picked this career choice for me. It works out (laughs) amazingly. Uh, But there's stuff like tech stuff. Like, I am not a dumb person either. But trying to figure out some of the tech things, like computers and how things integrate together. Erin? I think
1: I might have lost your sound, in which case I'm going to have to do a splice. Erin? Hello. Can you hear me again? Okay. We have got a hiccup. I'm going to send you through a new link. Hello? (laughs) I'm going to send you a new link. Hilarious.